0: Howard's Conan stories are laid about 12,000 years ago in the imaginary Hyborian Age, 8,000 years after the sinking of Atlantis and 7,000 years before the beginnings of recorded history. A gigantic barbarian adventurer from the back, backward northern land of Samaria, Conan arrived as a youth in the kingdom of Zamora, man, and for several years he Welcome everyone to Never Stay Dead. We are back. I don't know if either of us died in the meantime, but um, I'm here with Matt. Hello, Internet. I'm Matt. The man who loves the Internet. <laughs> Today we are, we, we both read something that was my idea to read, which was some early Barry Smith, Roy Thomas, Conan from the early marvel days circa 1970
1: i guess and i think you're underselling that so as long as i've known damien something that's come up <laughs> repeatedly is not just conan but this era of conan and i yes. i kind of pushed him to have me read some issues for the longest time and we kind of finally did and i almost am at the point where maybe someday we can give this another shot but
0: Oh, we really? should talk about this. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I I I like Conan a lot, and I particularly love those roughly twenty four issues that Barry Smith was the artist on, and I probably own each issue in three or four different formats. <laughs> wow. Including uh, the original comics, uh, black and white reprints, color reprints, hardback book reprints, digital reprints um there's probably other other formats oh i have some of them in these uh digest sized books where they used to cut up the panels and paste a few panels per page um that they used to sell in supermarkets when i was a kid so um i've i've been obsessed with uh Barry smith conan since i was 10 i've also been obsessed with conan since i was 10 cuz right around the time i started reading conan comics i also started picking up the uh, various Lancer books, editions that had the, the Frank Frazetta covers on them. Are, is Lancer
1: and a publisher?
0: Lancer's a publisher. So okay. for hardcore Conan people, that lets them know I was reading the, the very popular paperbacks back in the late sixties, early seventies, as opposed to some later publisher of them, because later on publishers produced hundreds of Conan comic, uh, sorry, hundreds of Conan novels Written by a lot of different authors, some of whom were quite the hack, but at this point it was just a few stories that weren't by Robert E. Howard, but most by Robert E. Howard, the um, inventor of Conan.
1: There's a qu- so were there Conan stories by E. Howard, and then other people did, and he continued going, or is there like a point where he stopped and then other people picked it up?
0: He stopped another. So what happened is oh, that's less interesting. he was a very success. Well, he was a very prolific pulp writer in the Depression era, um, 1930s, for something called Weird Tales. He was a friend of H.P. Lovecraft and some other of these weird horror slash fantasy writers that wrote for Weird Tales. They all corresponded and shared ideas, and. Amongst his characters was Conan, and it just appeared as sort of short stories and novellas in these pulps. Okay. And then at age 30, he killed himself. Oh. Around 1938, I, I believe. Okay. Anyway, somewhere in the late 30s. And then in the 50s, some uh, fans of those old pulps started a, a, almost uh, semi-professional or amateur press where they reprinted things like H.P. Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, especially the Conan books for Robert E. Howard, in hardbacks that they you know, just sold a few hundred copies of.
1: Give a little prestige to it to get people interested. Right. In the
0: so they kind of, just out of their love of it, kept it alive or brought it back. Okay. And there was a few writers, <laughs> the most well-known one was a guy named L. Sprague de Camp and also someone named Lynn Carter, who helped the people who were managing his estate find like old outlines and unfinished stories and they finished them for him. So that was the first step in other people writing Conan things. And those went from hardbacks in the fifties to these paperbacks in the sixties that from a professional publisher that became and, and got the Frazetta covers and became immensely popular kind of, you know, the pulp fiction, one of the top pulp fiction things of the 60s and 70s um, that sparked a huge sword and sorcery revival. Um, sword and sorcery being kind of a branch of fantasy that always involves a lot of sword fighting and a lot of sorcerers, um, but not like it's more earthy than something like Lord of the Rings or, or that sort of thing. So they used to oh, call weird. Lord of the Rings high fantasy and sword and sorcery was kind of the low fantasy see in
1: my mind that's all the same thing it's, that's an interesting it's very similar yeah. I, yeah there's a
0: different vibe so there in the 70s okay. especially there was a huge number of barbarians wandering around fantasy worlds with swords running into sorcerers and having problems with them um I I was looking around. Most of my books are in boxes, but like here's one called Wandor.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: No, no one remembers Wandor now, but I do because I read a lot of these things. There was, um, there was all kinds of imitators. Uh, Thongor was one that uh, was written by Lynn Carter, one of the people who helped with Conan, who actually became a Marvel comic for a while
1: and was integrated with the Conan Marvel stuff.
0: No, I don't think so. I think he was kept separate. Oh, I thought
1: he saw his name in here, but they all sound the same to me. Um, uh, I don't think so, but maybe. Okay. And then
0: Robert E. Howard had other characters like um, Kull, King Kull. You may have seen yeah. comics with the name K U L L. Yeah. And uh, and he had one named Bran MacMorn, who was a, I don't know, a Reformation era swordsman and gunfighter, <laughs> who was a um, what's the I can't remember. A Puritan. He was a Puritan. But they all kind of have some similarities to them. No, Bran McMoran wasn't. The Puritan was Solomon Kane. I'm sorry. So a lot of these things, I think the comics helped. It's hard to tell whether it was the books or the comics, which led to movies about these people in the 80s, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan books. There was a Cull movie with sorbo ken sorbo something like that they tried to make a call movie they tried to make a solomon kane movie and there's been i think conan games and all of that kind of stuff but it all started in the 1930s with these very vivid brutal sexist and racist <laughs> as pulps were back then kind of pulp story
1: oh and the conans were too
0: yeah the conan so all the conan stories started by this Robert E. Howard guy who killed himself in 1938.
1: Oh, I mean, they were like racist and sexist severely too? Or... Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I wasn't I mean, getting... they're obviously
0: sexist, right? You can tell that even from the comics. Can't you?
1: I mean... I
0: uh... Women are betrayers and... Um... Either that or people to be saved, they're helpless um, or they're manipulators. I don't know. The sexism isn't really overt. And, of course, you have the excuse of this is like medieval times and there's slavery and all of that.
1: Yeah, I think I there was like two women that popped up in the few issues yeah. I read. So I uh, didn't want to just throw the entire line under the bus as it were or whatever, right?
0: And I guess the, the other thing to think about it in terms of its pulp origins is it was very much part of the mix of things like H.P. Lovecraft and other people who were inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. So it has that
1: xenophobic, creepy,
0: well, creepy, yeah. claustrophobic um, fear of the unknown, the, the horrors of the universe that are out there that you can't control, all of that kind of stuff that comes from H.P. Lovecraft. Because it was happening pretty much at the same time. And long, long before Lord of the Rings was written. But at least 20 at least twenty or 30 years. But I doubt that J.R.R. Tolkien read any of this.
1: Well, okay. I mean, so uh, my question then about that is what is it about the tone that sets this apart from something like Lord of the Rings? Because I don't, in my mind, they're the same thing.
0: Well, I suppose it's the type of story, right? The Lord of the Rings is one long quest.
1: An epic poem almost. An
0: epic and Conan originally was completely not epic. There were no novels, it was just novellas. So more and,
1: serialized and so
0: and, and not a continuous story. Okay. So um different stories would just be from different times in his life originally. So in one story he's a thief and he's seventeen years old. <laughs> And then in another story, he's 45 and he's a king. And um, a lot of the stories, um, he's not even the central character. So he, it, it, uh, it's like getting little slices of this imaginary history rather than the most important moment in this imaginary history, the way Lord of the Rings is. So maybe that's the difference between the high fantasy and the sword and sorcery.
1: Which is interesting then, because if you pull in the Samarillion, it's kind of that chopped up bit, just all shoved right. in one book.
0: I haven't read the Samarillion. No one except has. Except for, I've read a little bit of it, and I thought there were no actual characters or, you know, real storylines.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to claim to know much about it. I just
0: and, and also, there's much more of a horror element in Conan, and it's generally much more lurid. Yeah. <laughs> There's much that I don't think is explicit, but there's a lot of, you know, hint at at rape and um, torture and just all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, that and I imagine Conan uh, as a whole is willing to be more brutal, more visceral and more titillating.
0: Right. And he's not he's not a hero who has a sense of being a hero or having a purpose. He's just surviving and moving around. And the, the whole theme of it is a uh, barbarian versus civilized person.
1: And and from that, you don't have the religious overtones that the Lord of the Rings right. says. Yeah.
0: yeah. If, if anything, it's an atheist kind of book, right? Because the gods are all... The gods exist, but they're actually kind of weak and fading and going away.
1: Wait, so what's... He, he keeps shouting Krom. So Krom
0: is the... I don't know if it's ever very well explained, but he's the the god of the Sumerians. He's one of the Sumerians, right? The Sumerians. Okay. And Kram is supposed to be a god who doesn't care at all about human beings. So they curse by him, but they don't pray to him or anything like that. Okay. And that first one that we read, the uh, Conan number three, the grim gray god, has... Another god who appears, who's fading. This is like the last appearance of this god before he fades away, I guess because his believers are all being killed off in this final battle. In issue three. In issue three, the twilight of the grim gray god. And the reason I picked this one for us to read is is, is the first, well, it's only the third issue, but I thought it was one of the best of the early issues and, and certainly the first one where I really thought that, both the artist and writer Barry Smith and the artist and Roy Thomas, the writer, put together something that that really hung together well. <clears throat> Did you read that one first?
1: Um, no, but yes. Okay. Of the ones you select was the first I read. But I right. skimmed. But you've
0: read other Conan.
1: Well, okay, uh, yeah. In my life, I've been through some other Conan. But um, before this, I kind of skimmed through issues one and two. Oh, you um, did? Okay. Just to... for myself. Because this is right. something I wanted to get to. Because you... You don't just like Conan. <laughs> you seem to have liked... Like, like I, I don't know how to Absorbed compare Absorbed Conan. Fully. Right. I, I, I guess you like Conan almost the way I like Deadpool. Where, like, there is this era and maybe a bit more and you're curious about the character for a long time. But after a while, like... Um, <laughs> So I, I guess where I'm getting this from is as many of you must be aware, a new Conan comic just came out.
0: Right. And you uh, did read that, right? And I did read
1: that. And before
0: you got to read the grim gray God. Yes, or any of These other early
1: ones. Yes. And so, um, but when you were talking about this new Conan, you said this wasn't your Conan. Right. And right. I made a video about it. Right. And so, uh, and that was a great video. Um, but to me, like there's like three eras of Deadpool that I like. And then after that, it's not my Deadpool, which is harder for me because I feel like you had an author that you liked Conan on. Then after that, maybe diminishing returns, right? whatever with Deadpool, it's a little harder for me. Cause there's like this chunk of like over a decade where I thought the character was great. And then not so much because it got maimed essentially. But it's that similar idea where it's not my deadpool it's not your Conan
0: on another level Conan is a bit like uh, the turtles are for you yeah. where like you love the very early stuff even though some people might find it a bit unformed yet or something and it is
1: like yeah but
0: you still love it because it's part of the the coming together of something that you love like it has a historic interest for you
1: it does though i would honestly say like eastman's early stuff even and layered stuff like there's something magic there that's comic uh-huh. book um right
0: so for me the magic began with issue three okay oh that was your and, first and develop, but that's not the first one i read actually i came, okay. came to it later um in one of those digests i found at a grocery store i think but, but the first one I actually read was that the second one of that Elric duology um, okay which um, you that is a confusing story because they try to back like a whole novel's worth into two issues yeah. and uh, and a novel where he where he intersects with someone from a different fantasy series that was a popular series of novels at the time. Um, it was
1: Elric his own.
0: Yeah, Elric was a very popular a very popular sort of anti-Conan character. He was the reverse of Conan.
1: Cuz he's a mage or magically he, he's kind. a
0: he's a sorcerer, all he he's like a weak, effeminate scion of generations of of decadent kings and queens in this most decadent elder race
1: I didn't of this world. Weak or effeminate, but like regal and uh, uh-huh. composed. Well, I the guess. comic book
0: didn't capture all of that, so I'm throwing in my memory of the books. Um, so, okay. like, he would be dead if it weren't for sort of magic herbs that he takes that keep him going. It's almost like he's a hippie. Uh, <laughs> It's almost like he's, you know, someone who's like someone with asthma who's kept alive by his inhaler or something like
1: that. All right. All right.
0: And and instead of uh, he's known as the betrayer of his people and all kinds of stuff like that. And his he's his sword is basically evil. He tries to use it for good, but often the sword gets the better of things. They didn't go into that in this comic. <laughs> anyway, you can see how into all this stuff I am. Yeah, no, 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 that's great. But but so I find it fascinating. You know, like you, you didn't read the original Turtles when they first came out. Like (laughs) you, I, over time, got the whole timeline of everything, and I find it fascinating to see the art develop and the world develop.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and I probably have about 150 various marvel issues but not i don't have all of the conan i eventually did get tired of it um and then i i picked up on the dark horse conan and i liked the earlier authors on that and then it sort of got tired also people were hacking it out more Hmm. no offense to fred van lente who i'm always persecuting but (laughs) his (laughs) run on conan was just okay and so i didn't stick with it
1: i yeah um
0: so where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about what you thought about Conan from other stuff you read before I well, push this on you? Or do you want to start with what you thought of
1: well, I, I, of
0: these Barry Smith Conan issues?
1: So you've talked about Conan for years and it was like only a year or so ago that I actually read any Conan whatsoever, which uh-huh. was a Fred Van L- because, uh-huh. well, because I was at his table at a con <clears throat> and we were just talking. And uh, he didn't, like, have much of anything to pick up, but he had this Conan book. And I thought, eh, why not, you know? Yeah. And one uh, for it. I, I thought it was okay when I read it. But it is wildly different from any other Conan yeah. stuff I have read now. And also more like other stuff I've read and less like Conan. So
0: Right. But compared to the, the new Jason Aaron Conan, judging from the one issue of it, Fred right. Van Lente at least was close enough that I could project my idea of Conan into the books that I read. I didn't read the whole series.
1: Very quickly to go to the Jason Aaron Conan. I, I saw someone who was saying it positively, but I think sums it up very well to why I don't think I'm very excited is that he's doing exactly what he did with Thor with kind of these meeting of the generations of this epic character, which don't get me wrong, has some interesting potential, but it's literally what he did with Thor. And now he's just playing the same card again. And that's the least interesting thing Jason Aaron could have done.
0: Right. And for me, an important element of Conan that is perhaps Barry Smith's strong point sometimes, especially as he got better, is the sense of a imaginary history an imaginary world there. And Jason Aaron didn't seem very interested in that at all, judging by you know what we've seen of his work so far. He's just interested in Conan the Brute and then Conan the King to compare those two different selves, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: And so my struggle here and always with the Conan character is mm-hmm. I just don't get Conan. I don't get what his wants are. I don't get what his his objectives are. I don't get what his politics or lack of politics or like i don't like i he's just the protagonist right and i I don't really have anything else to work with so i'm always like trying to dial him and there's all this kind of interesting stuff happening in or around him but i can't even focus or care because i i don't have the main character so
0: yeah, and maybe that has to do with Conan's roots in a different kind of non-modern fiction. Yeah. So I don't think in a way Conan is important as a character. Right. He's important as a symbol of something, and then he's important as someone who can um, wander through all these other layers of story. Right. And and, and ha- he has an effect on the story, uh, usually in a big way, but each episode like in this grim gray god he's just one of the actors in this melodramatic series of betrayals and violent warfare Mm -hmm. so he's almost a witness to things there is some development because this is he's supposed to still be basically a teenager here and he's just beginning to have a taste of you know the Sadness of the world, or whatever you have.
1: Here. Right, and so to compare, I don't even think you'll know this reference, mm-hmm. but like I've enjoyed stories with that method and mode, I guess. But like for me, the place where I go to where that method's been used is anime, and in particular, my mind's jumping to Cowboy Bebop for whatever reason. Um, Spike, the main character of that, is usually the protagonist of any given episode. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's only a handful that actually focus on him and his story. The rest, there's a story that he's a part of, but he's just there, but the show still like introduces him and his beats and like kind of what you need to know about him generally in like two to three beats. And and with Conan, I just, I, I'm not getting any of that. And every time I pick up a Conan comic, It's a different thing. Like in the first few here, he's wearing this, I'm just going to call it a stupid hat. I don't know what else Uh to call it.
0: A horned helmet, I think. Yeah, Yeah. with a
1: little nubbin on top. Little
0: black designs on it.
1: Yeah, Um, a Viking hat, I guess.
0: Which as a kid I thought was very cool, but I can see why you'd think it's stupid. And he's wearing weird sandals, and he he has an, an odd necklace.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with the rest of it. The hat just, it's not his color. I don't know. It's out of season, (laughs) something. Uh, But then, like, he'll look completely different elsewhere, but he'll also have a different circumstance, and I just can never... What's this guy about? What's his deal? He's... (laughs) If I'm a method actor, what do I need to know about Conan to make it work? Other than getting ripped first.
0: He's Superman.
1: (laughs) What? No. No, he's not. How is this the uh
0: not not the uh oh my planet has been destroyed and I'm oh, an not no Superman. But the Superman who is the implacable, invincible character who bestrides the world. Only he has he doesn't know he's Superman. <laughs> but while everyone well, else dies all around, he's just keeps going. He's the energizer bunny of
1: of the <laughs> Well, okay, but Superman is a um um what, what's the word I'm looking for here a uh, virtuous paragon he, right he, okay he,
0: he is tomorrow. the he is the um oh hi we may have to cut things out a bit. Did you want to say hi to Matt? I mean to get really analytical about it, there's a lot of characters like Conan that, Maybe our like because of when I was born and became a reader, I'm more connected to the Victorian era type of um, noble savage like Tarzan and a bunch of other Edgar Rice Burroughs characters and other other characters that kind of showed up in pop literature that were still showing up in the 70s, but were kind of throwbacks to that period. So Conan is the idea of this the this, this savage being superior to the civilized man, which was a popular idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the Victorian, I think the Victorian era or, or Edwardian
1: era or whatever, what have you. Right. I, I guess what's interesting about this too, that might be interesting for us to dig into someday is uh, like, I, I haven't read much Conan. Like I said, I couldn't quite access the character, but like Cerebus, I can
0: and you've read the Conan-based issues of Cerebus, right? Because you started... Yeah, Conan. like the
1: first two phone books.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he gets less and less Conan-like Yeah. It, within the first 20 issues, I think. But the first, I don't know, I'm making it up, but five to ten issues are literally pastiches of Barry Smith issues of Conan.
1: Right. Right. To the Red Sonja ripoff, to the whatever else.
0: Right. And even the style is a kind of crude imitation of, of Barry Smith at times. The visual style.
1: Yeah, it's weird because uh, DeSims is developing his art as you go, like every issue at that point until right. he lands on a style. So how much of yeah. it is parody and how much of it is him more or less tracing something? <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's an element of that, or at least imitating the inking style and and what have you. Right. And and Barry Smith was briefly an overwhelming influence on in all the fanboys who wanted to be artists.
1: Which, okay, this is, so I didn't want to like rip or say anything too negative, because a lot of it is me not getting it. This isn't as much my thing, whatever mm-hmm. it, tastes, or it may be. But I do want to point out that by at least issue three... Um, Barry Smith is not a great storyteller with his art throughout this issue. And that's part of what made this harder for me to get through. Huh. Because I
0: really like the storytelling in issue three.
1: I'm not saying the story is bad in issue three. Like I think uh, what um, Roy Thomas is laying down is fine. No, no, I really like the visual storytelling in issue three. Okay. But you don't, which is fine. Well, so through the first half of the third issue, um, Conan... Starts uh, shackled to a, a pebble. He's manacled, kind of. Well, yeah, but he's manacled to like his wrists are shackled to each other. But it... oh, just each other. It looks like it's supposed to be a rock, and then he's oh, okay. So he's shackled together.
0: Well, so that shows that for you, the visual storytelling was not clear because I, I sensed that that he just had a a chain.
1: Yeah, when you go move past the first frame, it is more obvious. But then he's shackled together. But then you end up on this white bearded man pontificating forever, uh-huh. um, who
0: turns out to be the god Bori by the end of the issue.
1: Right, um, but as you move along, like where the like whether or not Coden's in, is in chains is kind of dubious because there's all these small frames with him, but he's moving around just fine, like it doesn't seem too big of a deal. And then they make a deal about him getting out of them and where it's struck and whatnot, but you never get quite a clear visual on that for the longest time. And it's supposed to be central around Conan and his need to follow this guy is the fact that he's in shackles, but it's just kind of framed out uh, unnecessarily for nothing else really huh I did not have that problem but you know, I mean he gets you know. into a fight with the chains but it's, it's I, I don't know Like I'm following the chains and trying to understand what's going on with Conan because that's his plight here but it's barely a plight and then there's like you were talking about earlier all this stuff with the idea of the gods losing followers and losing strength and whatnot, which kind of sets up a lot about the world right
0: yeah, I mean, I suppose it sets up a lot about the world. It sets up, really, if you've read a lot of Conan, the fact that Conan passes through all these kind of wild situations and witnesses them. But you know, they're they're all different, and there's all. Uh, he lives in a world just drenched in magic, but he thinks magic sucks and um, doesn't trust it and doesn't want anything to do with it. But of course, runs into it constantly,
1: like Constantine after a fashion
0: after a fashion, yeah. I don't know. It just I guess it just does not click with you. Um
1: well and like you talking about it makes me more interested when I hear you go through it like I just feel like there's something I need to access it. Really what I think needs to happen is you need to take a page from our pod father and just kind of do an ongoing series with these old Conan issues and go talk about them. See, so you can pull up and just, you know, go through it,
0: go through it issue by issue. Yeah. Like he's doing with his friend, page of by page Legendary superheroes, right? Mike Peter Rios. Yeah. But see, I thought I was going to seduce you into wanting to do that, but obviously <laughs> you're the wrong choice.
1: Well, I was trying to seduce you into the turtles, but that didn't work either.
0: I know. Yeah. So we both have failed. Um, Although I liked the turtles more than you did. I just didn't feel tempted to go issue by issue. <laughs> but um, if you want to do, if you have some more issues of the turtles you'd like to do, and we could do a few issues at a time. See, I I, I find his storytelling wonderful, and I, I love the sequences of panels that frequently appear. It's kind of the opposite of modern comics that are full of these giant panels. And like the, the new Conan had a lot of just huge panels with one kinetic movement. Mm-hmm. And this has all these panels that, you know, follow Conan like walking up a stairwell because he's really angry and he's about to go throw his ex-girlfriend off the roof. Um, and I find that much more effective and good storytelling for me. Um, I did find... His storytelling a little rough in the first two issues and it and there's some rough moments going on and then by issue 24 he becomes this really amazing artist <clears throat> both in the storytelling and the uh, and the just the uh, surface rendering of everything but even by uh, issue 11 which you read part of it's called Rogues in the House which is also a f- one of the famous original Conan stories uh to me, the sequencing of the panels just is both kind of entrancing and I'm holding them up to the screen, but of course no one on the podcast can see the screen. But uh, so I'm just holding them up for Matt, I guess. But you know, the the way he slices moments of time I find really effective and adds some emotion to me that might not might or might might not have been in the script. I assume all of these were done Marvel style where uh smith was working from a synopsis and then roy thomas added the dialogue um because i think they just always did all marvel comics like that back then to me it's a little bit of a mystery why i like conan i mean i i think it's just the all i can say but it doesn't seem like enough is that contrast between him and the worlds he walks through or the the portions of the worlds he walks through and the And the layers of magic and history that everywhere he goes seems to have.
1: Hmm. Okay,
0: and there is there all the there are all these histories. Like he wrote the the author before he died, wrote a rough outline of the history of the imaginary lost histories that led up to the Hyborian Age. All these other ages that come before them, and then he, uh, some fans of his, got uh wrote up what they thought was the timeline for his life where all the different countries he went to, and Howard read that and said they got it pretty much right um, so there exists just all this material that if someone like Jason Aaron wanted to he you know he could really build on that and uh work with it
1: hmm. I, if I, I said guess that interest. appeals
0: to some kind of nerd in me.
1: I, I, yeah, I wonder if Aaron has any care, or if he's just going to try to reach back to the older Marvel right. stuff, or just go his own way with it. Which normally it'd be for, but in this case, I feel like if he's not, if they're not pulling from older Conan tradition at this point, it makes me wonder why even bother.
0: Well, Travis from the from the YouTube channel uh, Oddfellows Thoughts, discussing it with me, said he thought that Aaron was basically just. Doing what he thought was the Conan from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, which might explain. I mean, that Conan is not he's dumber and he's um, he likes his enemies to suffer. You know what I mean? So he's he represents a more nasty version of Conan, but not as nasty as the one they present um, in the new Marvel Jason Aaron Conan.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: The weird thing is, all this talk about Conan and even you not enjoying it much makes me want to read even more. And but it's definitely wrapped up in my ten-year-old self too. Right? But why my ten-year-old like this? Why the ten-year-old me like this so much? I can't say.
1: Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I I'm curious. I just feel like I I didn't quite break through a certain level because like I was reading these, but I wasn't paying attention to the like mm-hmm. where the story was. I was so preoccupied with trying to figure Conan out that I don't think I was really there.
0: In one way, while Conan is kind of a bricks and mortar, I don't like magic and I just fight and I'm tough and unstoppable kind of guy, he's traveling through this world of romantic poetry. All of these people have these tragic, romantic, unhappy, melancholy stories that he's wending his way through Mm. and every once in a while it affects him you know he falls in love with someone and then something tragic and awful happens to them and and then he goes off on a bender and becomes a pirate for a few years or something (laughs) all right huh okay well um for those of you who uh are aware of my video channel um i do have some hopes of maybe doing some issue by issue, in-depth stuff on some of my favorite Conan issues, because this has stirred up that urge. Uh, Probably looking at the art even more than the stories, really. So that's another thing that when the artists capture that fantasy world, I really enjoy. So uh, we will be back unless we really do die. (laughs)